Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hi, church. I'm excited to bring us around the Word of God again, continuing our series on dangerous prayers. Um, oh, my last message, um, a couple of weeks ago, I had some amazing reviews online. One person said it was the best sermon they've heard in years. I call that person a hater. Why wasn't it the best sermon they've heard in their entire life? But that's okay. And today I'm excited to continue this series with us. Uh, let me bring us around the Word of God and lay a foundation before I pray. And let's get into this thing. In Hebrews 4 verse 16, it says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Another translation says boldness. So when it comes to dangerous prayers, again, we're talking simply about prayers that are bold and ultimately result in God changing us rather than us changing God. So when we pray these type of dangerous prayers, we've got to understand that God actually hears them and responds to them, and we have to be prepared to actually act and do something about it. So this morning, I want to bring us around the simple prayer of God, I give you my life. God, I give you my life. It says in Romans 12 verse 1, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I appeal to you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This prayer of God, I give you my life also makes me think of Jesus. And in Luke 22, verse 42 Jesus praying to the Father says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. This prayer of God, I give you my life is ultimately just a prayer of God. I give you control over every part of me. It's a prayer that we might pray on an altar call at the beginning of our journey, but it's a daily prayer that we have to commit ourselves to because we don't just say it once and like, God, I give you my life and then choose to live for ourselves or live for the opinion of others. We have to actually commit ourselves to doing this lifelong journey with God because to give God your life is to take your life from yourself and others and hand it over to God. Paul encourages us in Galatians 1 verse 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul encourages us with this scripture that if we even want to be a servant of God, we have to make a decision. I'm not existing, living, thinking, acting for others to please others, to make others happy. Ultimately, my call is to please God. And then everything else comes second to that. So this prayer of God, I give you my life, is simply saying, not me, but your way. Not me, not my will, but your will. Not me, but Christ may be you inside of me. So no one else gets a foundation. No one else is our source. No one else is our provider. No one's a protector. Ultimately, Jesus is simply enough. So let me pray and then I want to give you three things that I think we might say 
in our lives after we say this prayer, when God brings some stuff to the surface, some responses that we might say. I'll give you three or I'll give you four, but let's pray and let's get into this. Jesus, I thank you for the honor it is to walk with you. I pray this simple prayer this morning of God, I give you my life. May it resound through all of our church. May our church afresh commit every part of themselves to you. And this morning, God, we just ask that our lives be a living sacrifice, a living act of worship, that we lay everything down before you and you do something with our lives more than we could ever imagine or dream or ask. So be with us this morning. May your word come alive on the inside of us and we, may we be a dangerous praying church. Do we say some dangerous prayers to you this morning in this season that you answer and equip us for future seasons? In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Fantastic. Okay, so this morning, I want to bring us around this simple thought of that every yes we say to something is a no to something else. Every time you say yes to one thing, it's saying no to another thing. Uh, me and Alex have nearly been married for 10 years now. We are what you would call veterans. Uh, we are experts on marriage and relationships and family. And I remember we got married when we were 21, which is very young, um, but it was very old for us because we dated in year nine. Um, but I want to remind you of our story when we started. We stood together and looked at each other right in the face and said to each other, I do, or I will, or we simply said yes to each other. I remember this day. I can't remember the date. It was at some point in January, 6th, 7th or 8th or something. But I remember saying this yes, saying I do. And what even more I remember than my beautiful wife or the lovely scenery or the good weather is when I said it, I heard hundreds of young adult females begin to cry and mourn. I remember as I said yes, I imagine, I remember, imagine, I don't need to imagine, I'm remembering. I remember them all just hearing one thing spoken over their lives that I was saying no to them. It was a declaration of yes to Alex and a no to everyone else. It was me looking everyone else in the eyes and saying, no, I choose this one. This ship has sailed. The genie is out of the bottle. The early bird gets the worm. In this scenario, I'm the worm. The train has left the station, or as Jesus said, it is finished. This moment of saying yes to one thing was saying no to every other Thing. It was almost like it was in slow motion in that moment. And I even heard as Alex turned and said to me, her ex-boyfriend who was there, my best man, I remember him whimpering as he knew that it was final, that she said no to him. So when we say yes to God, everything else in our life at best is second. Our own desires, our own feelings, our relationships, our work, our career, our ways at best come second because every yes we say to him is a no to choosing to do life simply on our own strength, power, feelings. So I'd encourage us this morning that this prayer of God, I give you my life is a bold declaration that should result in some other things being brought to the service because who I am and who I exist for has to be God 
and there is no one else that gets to fill that spot. So let's, let me give us four things we might say after God starts to test this prayer. After we say, God, I give you my life, that he'll begin to test because he heard what we said and begins to bring some things to the surface. So these are some things that we might say after we say, God, I give you my life. The first one, when things start to get tested, is this. God, no one sees me. We make this decision to make our life about him and pretty quickly we get default to our old way of living, wanting to be seen, wanting to be known, wanting to be accepted, and we get frustrated that God, no one sees me. This is when we serve God when no one else sees. It says this in Psalm 2 verse 11. It says, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. This decision to give God our whole life is a choice not to do things to be seen by others, but instead to serve God with our whole heart. I love this scripture in Matthew 6 verse 6. It says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So after we pray these prayers, these dangerous prayers, and God begins to test them, we need to come back to him and hear him probably say, when we say something like, no one sees me, God, he probably brings it to the surface by simply saying, do you do this to be seen by others or to be seen by me? Are you serving right now to be seen by others, to be patted on the back, to be accepted, or did you give your life over to me? And is God seeing you enough? This simply shows your servanthood and it shows who you're serving. Are you pleasing others or are you living to please him? There's a famous saying, to dance like no one is watching and to sing like no one is listening. I want to encourage us, church, to serve like God is watching. Oh, that was beautiful. Okay, number two is this. We might say to God or say in our life, God, no one knows me or my struggle. First one is that no one sees me. And the second one, no one knows me or my struggle. This is when our faithfulness gets tested. Will we be faithful when no one really knows the struggle of what we're going through? When we feel like people don't value it or accept it or simply haven't heard it. And we're wrestling with God and we just feel a little bit unseen and a little bit not known. In Luke 16, verse 10, it says, He who is faithful in a very little thing is also faithful in much. He who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. So when we serve Jesus, we must actually step from just serving and being seen by him to moving to doing it faithfully. Even in the secret place, even when no one else knows, I need to be faithful with who God's called me to be and what he's asked me to do. So whether it's seen or unseen, whether it's known or unknown, I'm doing this because I've given my whole life to him and he is the first in everything. So God might actually say back to us and locate us simply by saying, do you do this to make yourself known by others or to make me known to others? This simple challenge that God's like, no, you said this was about me. You said you were giving your life to me. So is it enough that I know you or do you need to be known by everyone 
else. This simply shows your faithfulness with what's in your hand and what's in your heart. I encourage us, even if no one knows the graces that God has placed inside of us, to wrestle over them, to be better in them, to keep on improving, to keep on being faithful with what's in our hands before everyone else exalts them. Let's live for Him first and foremost. The third thing is this, no one understands. This is a humility check, that when no one else understands, even if they have heard, they just don't get it. They don't get my gift. They don't go get what's going on in my life. They, they've heard it. I've explained it to them, but they don't understand me. It says in Colossians 3 verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This scripture here is encouraging us, the things that used to divide us earlier on in Colossians, no longer divide us. What unites us together as God's chosen people are compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So even when no one understands me, I choose to respond with humility. Humility looks good on everyone and pride doesn't suit any outfit. It never looks good on you. So number three of even when no one understands me, I choose to respond with humility. Humility is simply getting your security and your identity from him. Then you can lift others up. Then you can live a peaceful, compassionate, kind life, a gentle life, a patient life because your security comes from the fact that you know who he is and what he's doing on the inside of you. So even when no one else understands, I'm humble enough not to demand my own way. So God prays a prayer, maybe says a thing back to our prayer. Do you do this to be understood by others or do you simply want to be understood by me? Do you want to understand me better? So our prayer back to God again should be like, God, you understand me and you're enough. I don't need to be understood by everyone. I don't need everyone to be on my level. I trust you. You get it. You get me. And Jesus, you're enough for me. So this ultimately just shows our humility. And the last point today is this, that no one makes me. The first one was that no one, maybe we feel like no one sees me, then no one knows me, no one understands me. And then we arrive at this point of that no one makes me, that my character and security before everything else comes from God. In 1 Timothy 4 verse 12, Paul is encouraging Timothy here to live a life that is a little bit set apart, a little bit holy. And it says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example to believers in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. This is a reflection not of Timothy's good actions. This is a reflection of Timothy's security and character that comes out of being secure in God. That we make a decision that no one else is going to make me. No one else is going to build me. It comes from me getting to know God more and more every single day. Discipleship is important and mentorship is important. But you're not, your goal is not to be more like your pastor. Your goal is to be more like your savior. Not to be more like your leader and learn how they worship and lift their hands and clap at the right time or, or whatever that stuff is. It's to become more and more like Jesus Christ, become more and more like the one true son of God, the savior of the world, the king of kings and Lord of lords. He is the example that we are called 
to follow. And when we give our life to Jesus and say, God, I give it over to you, what we're saying is, God, I choose your way above every other way. So it doesn't matter if I'm seen or known or understood. No one else is making me. You are making me to be someone of character. I remember back in some early days in youth ministry, me and another leader were discipling a young person and explaining character to them because they were quite gifted. They had opportunities. A lot of things were going on. We were bringing them back to the truth of that character is the average of who you are across your whole week. Not who you are when you're holding a microphone, not who you are when you're dressed in your Sunday best, not who you are when you've got all your makeup did and you've got your weave on. You are, your character is shown on your worst day and your best day. So for us to be people of character is us making a decision, even when no one sees, knows, understands all of that stuff, God is making me to be about his ways and about his thoughts and about his word. So do we have a godly character? We have to ask ourselves because we can't give God our life yet lack in godly character. It doesn't make any sense. We can't be like, God, I give you my life, but uh, I'm not really going to look like you or sound like you or talk like you. My agenda is going to be different to yours. I'm not really going to like your church. I'm not going to like the body of Christ. I'm only going to like the head. I'm not going to follow that scripture. That one doesn't, I don't like that worship song. No, if we give God our life, we're placing all of our chips on the table. We're saying, I exchange what I have for what you have. So God, give me your character and give me your security. This last one that no one makes me, we can come to this conclusion and God can say back to us, am I the author of your life or are they? Am I writing your story or are they? Am I giving you opportunities or are they? Because if you let other people make you, it's pretty easy then to let them break you back down. But if you understood everywhere you are stepping, everywhere you are going was planned by God, destined by God, then no man can stand against you. He'll keep on building what he's what he has set out to build. He'll keep on writing the story of your life. So our prayer back to God should be, God, keep on making me. You're enough. This shows us to be secure and people of character. So when we pray the prayer, God, I give you my life. It is dangerous because to give it to him is letting completely go and taking it from anyone else and never giving it back to them. No one sees, no one understands, no one understands and no one makes me like he makes me is a dangerous life, a life that results in a great adventure. So let's be that kind of church that'll say this morning, God, I give you my whole life, not just once in a service, but today I give it all to you again. My finance, my relationships, I give it all to you. I give you my whole life from this moment until I stand before you, I give you my life. May that be our prayer this morning. Whether you've been walking with God for a week or two weeks or three weeks or 10, 30, 40, 50 years, give God your life afresh this morning. Let me pray for us and then we'll have a fantastic day together. God, I thank you for the honor it is to exchange our life for yours. You're willing to make that exchange and that swap this morning or this afternoon or tonight, whenever we're watching this, I pray, God, we make this dangerous prayer to give you our whole life. May you answer it, God. May our foundation be on you alone. Whether we're seen, unseen, unknown, all of those things, may it be off what you say. Jesus, may you truly be enough for us as your church. 
be with us and may we be a church that sees amazing things happen because we'll pray some dangerous prayers. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen, church. Thank you for being with us this morning. Please be at a Zoom after the service. Go to Worship Wednesday. Do our devotional. Be connected in this season. We miss you so much. We can't wait to be with you in the flesh. But until then, have an awesome time. We'll see you next week. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.